Uh, good morning, Village Church. Hey, sorry, you, you already said good morning, but now you can actually hear me. So I always have a, a kind of want to have a running bet as to how many people will come out if there's like so many inches of snow on the ground. So if any of you want to get a pool going with me, I'd, I'd be interested to know, like figure out how many inches there are and how many people we'll have. But uh, for those of you that brave the weather, and there's quite a few of you, it's so good to see you this morning. I've said this before, this is a highlight of my week. I get to see you all again, and we get to talk about Jesus and sing praises to him, and I get to work with this wonderful crew back here, and there's just nothing better for me in the run of a week, except my, you know, my wife and my family, stuff like that. But, you know, this is like, this is like right up there in the top ten. So I'm, uh, I'm grateful to get to be with you this morning. For those of you that are online, Welcome. Uh, if you didn't get your, your shovel, walk, your walk shoveled uh, or your driveway shoveled and you want some help with that, uh, shoot us a text. We'll be able to help you with that. <coughs> Excuse me. Help you with that. Not COVID. Uh, and uh, uh, we'd, we'd love to be able to do that. But it's good to see you online. It's good to have you in house. Uh, I've been anxious to do this message with you. Oh, by the way, my name is Craig Jarvis. Did I say that? I'm the lead, lead pastor here. <coughs> and I definitely have a frog in my throat, so... Uh, I just drank a bunch of coffee before I came up here, and that might have been a bad idea. I don't know. Uh, I want to tell you about something we did at Christmas. Uh, Christmas time, we were able to go visit some friends of ours. We were also able to go see some uh, relatives, and one of the families we went to see was uh, Beth's brother. And when, uh, when we go see him, <clears throat> his daughter is just gracious enough to give us her room. But he lives, his name is David, David lives out in the country. And so uh, we get the back room in the country with the shades drawn and all of that. And, and when you turn out the lights in the country, it gets really, really dark. Like I was actually surprised at how I'd forgotten how it gets so dark in certain places. And uh, not that I'm scared of the dark or anything, but I was actually laying in bed at one night and I was thinking to myself, the darkness in here, it's so black, you can almost feel it. It's almost so thick uh, that you can feel it. Thank you, baby. <clears throat> Thank you. Anyway, on, uh, on this one particular night, I thought I did a little experiment. I, I took my hand and I actually put it as close to my face as I could possibly, and I couldn't see it. Couldn't see a shadow of it, couldn't see anything. I waved it back and forth and I could feel the you know, the little breeze from waving it back and forth, but I could not see a thing. And the first thing that pops into a man's mind who is over 50, sleeping in an unfamiliar territory, uh, is how will I find my way in the middle of the night to the bathroom? That's exactly right. So I had to check and make sure that my phone was nearby, so I'm feeling around for my phone. Where did I put my phone? So I actually turned my phone, I had a little light on because you know, that's, I'm not scared of the dark. I'm scared of what might happen if I can't find my way out of the dark. And it was, it, it was such an incredible, because I'd been in the mountains. I've been in dark places. One thing I found when you're in the mountains, it's actually more light than it actually, because you look up and there's like a million stars that you missed when you left uh, Illinois. Sometimes I forget how dark darkness actually is. It is interesting to me as we go through the Gospel of John that the other theme other than Jesus is life. Jesus brings life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The other, the other theme that John constantly hits on is Jesus is light. Constantly talking about the fact 
that Jesus is the light of the world. He, like none of the other writers of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, he deals with this fact that Jesus has some sort of a light about him. And when I read it, I think, Jesus is a light. Let's move on to the next verse. But what does it mean when John says that Jesus is the light of the world? Let's go to our passage of Scripture. We're, we're, uh, in, uh, sorry, we're in John chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 4. And here's what it says. In him was life, and that life was the, what church? Light of men. How can Jesus' life be light to all people? Good question. What does it mean for somebody's life to be a light? Well, the one thing I know about light is it's the opposite of dark. If you want to get rid of the dark, you stick some light in there. It's the opposite. So what is darkness? Light illustrates that something was there before that changes into something different, right? It's the idea that light implies change, a difference from what was there before. What was there before? What was there before was darkness. Darkness is the experience of living without knowing what is reality, where you're going, or what even is around you. Just think about physical darkness, like me in the back room of my brother-in-law's house, when I'm trying to figure out how to get to the doorway, you know, in the middle of the night. It is completely dark, <coughs> completely dark. So darkness is the experience of living without knowing what is real, what, where you're going, or what even surrounds you. Darkness simply prevents you from seeing. That's what darkness does. If Jesus is light, a thing that brings change to the way it was before, then we are living in the dark. We have no ability to see. When it is dark, you need somebody to show you the way, <laughs> right? But darkness is a natural state of our earth. Jesus is the absence of light, the absence of, of uh, I'm sorry, the absence of darkness <clears throat> because Jesus is light. So in darkness, what do you do? You fumble around. When I woke up <clears throat> and thought to myself, uh-oh, it's really dark in here. I better have a plan for when I wake up in the night. I started feeling around for where I had left my phone. I wanted a plan, something that I could use to shine in the darkness. So what do you do in the darkness? You grope. You reach around for things. You, you feel around for things. You try and find your way. You don't want to be necessarily not able to find the way. All you know is that you're stuck in this thick darkness. The definition of groping or feeling around, groping is feeling about or searching blindly or uncertain, uncertain, with uncertainty with the hands. I can totally understand what that's like because just a couple of weeks ago, I was trying to feel where I had left my phone. Darkness is a problem for us, bottom line. John is saying to us in his gospel that we stumble around in a dark world looking for answers to life's most difficult questions. We are born into darkness. Jesus came to bring light, therefore we are in the dark. And if you look throughout scripture, you'll find this backed up by a major, <laughs> so many texts in scripture that talk about the darkness we are in. <clears throat> One of my favorite is from Isaiah 59. We just went through the Christmas season this is one, Isaiah 59, that we pull on a lot. Here's what it says. Justice is far from us. Righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for light and behold darkness and for brightness, but we walk in gloom. We grope for the wall like the blind. We grope like those who have no eyes. 
We stumble at noon as in the twilight among those in full vigor. We are like dead men. This is the condition of the world in which we live. And fact of the matter is, sometimes living in the dark world in which we, we live, we grab onto the wrong things for answers. Like for me, I grabbed onto my phone, but I, <clears throat> I know when I pick it up, a little, it, it lights up and I can figure out where the flashlight is on it, right? But for some people, we, they end up picking up things that, you know, they feel like a flashlight, but they're not working like a flashlight. And, 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 and we grope for things that are true in a world where there's no light. Sometimes we grab onto the wrong things, thinking that they give us the answers to life that we seek. I heard a parable a long time ago, and it stuck with me. You ever have these, these uh, parables or these, uh, it's not really a parable, it's a fable, a fable that sticks with you? You remember those fables you learned when you were real young? There's one that I heard about. It's an Indian fable about seven guys that came across an elephant, and these guys were all blind, and they all touched the elephant in different places and came up with conclusions of their own about what they were feeling. They'd never seen an elephant before. And so what happened in the, par- in, the, uh, in the fable is one man falls against the side of the elephant and says the elephant is a wall. Another leans on the tusk and says the elephant is a, clearly a spear. Another touches the trunk and says the elephant certainly is a snake. Another touches the knee and proclaims that the elephant is a tree. Another touches the ear and says the elephant is a fan. And then the last one grabs the tail and says the elephant is a rope. They all have different parts of the elephant but come to different conclusions because they don't understand what they're touching, what they're experiencing. All of life's searching is to find answers with only pieces and slices of the whole. We are groping at things in the dark, trying to find light so that we can know what is real and true. And church, this is why Jesus was given to us. Jesus was given to us as God's gift of light to shine up the darkness so that we could look at life and say, oh, that's what life is about. Jesus' life is the light of men. Jesus' life is what what God gave us as a flashlight so that we could know what life is, is about. That's why Jesus said about himself, I am the way. You gotta get to the bathroom, you better know the way. You wanna get to heaven, you better know the way. And if you know Jesus, you know the way. I am, it can't be any clearer than that. I mean, Jesus, could you clear that up for us? What do you mean? No, I'll say it one more time, differently. I am the way. No, I need it different. Just give me something, something more plain and simple. I am the way. <laughs> it's a, I, Jesus, says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, I came from the Father into this world so that I could be the light of the world. In John 1.14, the passage that we're looking at, it even says in there, John says to us, the word became flesh, God became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. To get the idea of seeing here, We have seen his glory, glory as if the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John is saying God gave us the whole elephant. We see the whole thing in who Jesus Christ is. In fact, in Colossians 1.19, we don't have a verse on this, but it says, for in Jesus all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt. Jesus said, Thomas said to him, Lord Jesus, if, 
if you would just show us the Father, all of our doubts would be gone. <laughs> That'd be something a Thomas would say, wouldn't it? You know what Jesus said to him? He said to him, Thomas, have I been with you for so long? And you say, show us the Father? If you're looking at me, you're looking at him. He brought us life, and his life was the light we needed so that we could see clearly about our lives, about the world around us. If you think to yourself, why do those people think that way? Why do they buy into that? Why, do they, why does this seem like such an appeal for them when it clearly has no appeal for me and it clearly has like a lot of lies in it and it clearly has no truth? If you've ever felt that way, it is because you have a flashlight and they don't. Well, they do. They choose not to pick it up. Here's what he says further. John, uh, back to John chapter one, look at verse four. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. I love that. If you have dark and light, which wins? Every time. Light is dispelled, darkness is dispelled by the light. Darkness cannot win. When God gave us Jesus, light entered into the world. It was prophesied by John, or by Isaiah, this John's prophecy of, of Jesus, when Jesus shows up, John telling us about Jesus in John chapter one was prophesied by Isaiah years ago, 500 years before John or Jesus was even born. In the book of Isaiah nine, it says, in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, the Galilee of the nations. Do you know what he's saying? 500 years before Jesus is born, Isaiah gives us Jesus' home address. If you're looking for the Messiah, this is where he is. John writes 500 years before Jesus is born. And then here's what he writes. The people who have walked in darkness, Isaiah says to us, the people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on them a light shone. Matthew actually quotes this verse when he told us about Jesus' birth. This is the light given to us that dispels the darkness around us and it only comes through Jesus. Jesus knew this himself. That's why he taught us in John 8, 12. And Jesus said unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the what, church? The light to help you understand what life is about. I don't know about you, but... It is a regular thing for me to experience people saying to me, you know, I'm, I'm just on a journey to search out the meaning of life or to find out why I'm here or to find out what my existence is about. You know, people are constantly looking for purpose, looking for reasons why they're here. Because without the light, you can look in a whole lot of wrong places. You can feel things and think to yourself, well, this must be the thing we're here for. This must be the, the meaning for my life. But ultimately, without Jesus shining on us, shining in this world, we'll never discover the truth about why we're here. God has planned Jesus to light up our world. Now, I have an illustration to show you that I've been sitting on, and I'm very anxious to show you. You ready for it? This will burn into your brain like like few things you've ever experienced or Maybe it'll fall flat. Let's see how it goes, all right? So 
I discovered, because I watch way too much TV, that there's something that you can buy that through mere sound, only sound, you can have light. Now, people sometimes get these for, you know, if your parents are old or getting it for your grandmother or something like that because finding the light is a difficult thing to do sometimes when you get a little up there in age. And so, uh, so we, we, uh, we, somebody invented this wonderful invention called the clapper. Do you know what the clapper is? <laughs> okay, you ready for this? I've only seen it, but now I've experienced this. You ready for it? Because the minute that I do this, if it doesn't work... Then, then the whole message is right down the tubes, all right? So I got a lot riding on this, and, uh, and if it does work, I may, uh, I may reinvent my whole house. This may be a brand new thing for me, all right? So <clears throat> no more clapping in the house because we'll all be like strobe lights and we'll go into epileptic seizures. Okay, here's how we go, ready? If you clap, the lights should come on, right? Okay, Jesus, help me. Thank you very much. Yeah, I worked on this all night. <laughs> so, okay. Okay, there it is. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody, yeah, you guys are all clapping and it's not doing anything, so I don't know what the deal with that is. Can I tell you one thing? You'll never forget it. The best illustration ever. Jesus is God's clapper. When God sends Jesus into the world, God claps so we can... Oh, so we can have light. Come on, work. Well, what are you going to get when you buy something off the television? Come on. Well, it worked once. So there it is. There it is. Yeah. It's a little, little testy here. Yeah, a little time delayed. When God gave us Jesus Christ, God gave us the ability to see this light. We didn't have it before. Jesus is the clapper that God gives to us, so he lights up the darkness around us. I'll tell you what it killed for one of these when I was at David's house. You know, I could just sit and lay in my bed and go, ah, time to go to the bathroom. <laughs> sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't work. All right, enough of that. Roll the dice too many times. Light and life originated with Jesus Christ. Listen, what's the first thing that God said in the scripture? What's the first thing he actually said? Let there be, and there was light. Light is more than a physical thing. Light in scripture is meant to be the thing that clears up the darkness. Everything that you would describe in this life as dark, dangerous, fear-filled, questionable, confusion, all these things that come into our mind where we're grabbing onto all these different things, thinking to ourselves, okay, this must be what life is about. This must be the light. This must be the reason I'm here. When in actuality, Jesus is the clapper. He's the one that God gave us so that we could see what life was meant to be like. But the problem was, Adam and Eve received this light when they were created. But ever since their sin, we have walked physically and spiritually in the dark. By the way, do you know that since we did this, this study on the resurrection and our new bodies, we did that last year, 
When we walk in this new place with our resurrected bodies, do you know that there won't be any, there won't even be any shadows there. Jesus Christ himself will be the light that lights everything up and there will be no darkness anymore. Until Jesus came and showed us visibly what light was, we forgot, we didn't know. Only Adam and Eve knew. And then they realized what they lost. I can imagine they probably realized it pretty strongly on the day that their oldest killed their youngest. And they thought to themselves, what dark place this is. And it wasn't, and, and then you go through history, human history, and it wasn't until Jesus comes and says to us, you've, you've all become so accustomed to the dark, you've forgotten what light is. And so Jesus says, I am the light of the world. In fact, let me read it for you. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father. From now on, you know him because you've seen him. Listen, you know, according to the second commandment, we're not allowed to make any images of God at all. No images, right? Worship the Lord your God only, second one, no images. No images that we end up worshiping. But when Jesus came to us, <laughs> he proclaimed to us he was the image of the invisible God. We couldn't, we couldn't figure out who God was, what he looked like, what he was all about, so God gave us Jesus. The Father gave us Jesus. He came in person to us to introduce himself to us. And with that action, he lit up the world. His life stood in stark contrast to the darkness that we were all in. We couldn't see what we needed to on our own. So God sent us his clapper. God sent us his light. John is compelled by this reality. First John 1 is the letter that John writes, the same John who wrote the Gospel of John. In 1 John, to his letter, he writes to the churches. He writes in 1 John chapter 1, that which was from the beginning which we have heard. Look at how many of these things are about Seeing, touching, feeling, recognizing, understanding. See how many of these words he uses. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus is that which is from the beginning. John says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard. He heard Jesus, which we have seen with our eyes. He saw Jesus, which we have looked upon. He gazed upon Jesus, and we have touched with our hands. John touched Jesus. He actually laid against him in the upper room. We have that in Scripture. Concerning the word of life, John always calls Jesus the word of life, the logos. The life was made manifest. In other words, it was made concrete, and we have seen it, and we testify to it, and we proclaim to you eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Eternal life is Jesus. He was with the Father at the beginning, and he came to be with us. I touched him. I heard him. I saw him. Wouldn't that be an amazing testimony? God lit up our world, John says, in giving us Jesus. When we saw Jesus, we saw light, and we realized the spiritual darkness that we were in. Jesus' life was like no other life that walked the planet. This is a message we have heard from him. John says back in his gospel, verse 5, this is a message we've heard from Jesus and we proclaim to you. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Jesus came to this world to help us see by giving us light. Here's the problem. The problem is darkness 
is appealing. Which is weird because in that house, laying in that bed where I couldn't see my hand literally in front of my face, it was so dark, I was almost touching my nose and I couldn't still see my my hand. Some people prefer not to see rather than to see. This perhaps makes darkness, and this is why we call this, this series insidious. This is perhaps why darkness is the most insidious reality of all. Because people like to think that they can see, but they choose not to. What do we call the movement that started in the 1700s in world history? We call it the Enlightenment. We call it the Enlightenment. This was a moment of time when we as human beings went, oh, we can finally see. We've been enlightened. <laughs> we talk about that with people that, that have come across some sort of knowledge these days. Oh, you're an enlightened human being. When the Enlightenment happened, we've patted ourselves on the back and, and we say, oh, we can finally see what life is about. We can finally you know, use technology to our advantage. We promise you, when you get a phone, not back in the 1700s, but moving forward in the Enlightenment period, we promise you that when you get a phone, your life is going to be so much easier. <laughs> I always thought that when, when uh, Michael called, called his car, you know, Kit, come and pick me up. I always thought to myself, I think that's going to be a cool day. My life will be so much easier when I can talk to my watch. And then I got a phone, and I wish i never gotten this phone. Listen, history is full of people who always think they found the way, but they're just people groping in the dark, reaching for something that makes sense to them and then selling it to the rest of the people living in the dark. If Jesus brought us light to show us the truth about life, my big question is, why aren't we running to the light? Why are we satisfied? Let me turn these lights off for you. Are they shining in your faces? No, they're not bothering you? Why do people, should I turn it off? All right. Can you do it, Beth? It should just work. (laughs) Yeah. (coughs) All right. Beth just blew my illustration right out of the water. Anyone can unplug it. (laughs) If Jesus is the light for the world, why don't we run to it? I mean, does that make sense? We live in the dark, let's get some light. I don't like living in the dark. The problem is, many people prefer the dark. Anyone can learn and see about Jesus. The Bible is there, Jesus has been revealed to us. Anyone can read about Jesus, but the reality is, many people prefer to live in the dark. For this one, we know that there's light in the world and we choose to close our eyes and convince ourselves it's still dark outside. In our natural world, we sometimes prefer blindness and prefer to follow those who are blind, literally the blind leading the blind. Why do so many prefer this? Some people prefer darkness because they fear the light. I had a job, one of my first jobs at a, uh, a company that sold like, it's like a Walmart. It's a Canadian Tire. If you know a Canadian tire, it's like a Walmart. I was up in the, in the upstairs attic where we kept all of the items. And in those days, you had to go to a store to buy your stuff. 
So you went to you went to 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 Canadian Tire and you'd buy something, and then I'd get a call for what they wanted sent down. And then I'd go and I'd find the number on the shelf and then I'd take it and I'd put it on the little belt and we'd go all the way down to the bottom floor. And they'd pick it up from the back and they'd bring it out to the customer. The customer would go, why couldn't I just have the one on the shelf? <laughs> it's funny. Anyway, so <laughs> I was the guy that brought everything down. We also sold tires and we sold uh, pipes for cars and mufflers and all those kinds of things, Canadian Tire. So I had to figure out how all those go. But the thing is, when you hang all of these mufflers and pipes and stuff from this big truss where I was working, they would always clang together. And my job at the end of the night was to be the last one out of the attic, out of the warehouse upstairs. And somebody in their great wisdom put the off light, the switch to turn off the light, way at the back of the warehouse, not at the front, no, no, no. You gotta go all, all the way to the back. So I would have to go all the way back, walk there in the light, nobody else is upstairs. Everybody's downstairs waiting to go. Nobody was allowed upstairs, because they could steal stuff. They trusted me. So I would walk all the way to the back of the warehouse. I would turn off the light and it was pitched black. And you know what I heard in the dark? All those little, not clanging, just little clink, clink, clink of these, these things hitting them. And I thought of every stinking horror movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Chains dragging across the floor, people hiding in the dark. And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> I don't want to do this. Because I had to walk all the way through the warehouse in the dark. Now, I should have carried a flashlight. I know you're probably all thinking to yourself, Why you? I just didn't. I was, I was 17 and I didn't know there was flashlights. Of course, we did work at Canadian Tire where we sold flashlights, but I didn't have any at the time. So I would turn off the light and then I would feel my way all the way to the front. And sometimes I would, because I would, I would imagine all these things going on in the dark, sometimes I would sing to myself. And I would sing and I would just say, God is so good. <laughs> and I would just feel my way through the warehouse, uh, warding off all of the spirits that were coming at me with their chains. I was, you know, Marley's up in my warehouse from, uh, from the Christmas story. The, the darkness caused my imagination to, to run wild. I imagined in this darkness all of these things that suddenly came to life and became a reality for me, even though there was nothing in that warehouse but me. All these fantastic tales of things that dwell in the dark became so much more believable because I was afraid. People will believe all kinds of fantastic things because they don't know Jesus. They don't have light. And so when somebody tells them what lives in the dark, because they live in the dark too, they begin to believe it. And their lives are simply decision after decision because they're gripped by fear. They don't know anything different. Do you know how many people walk through this life afraid? They may have heard the truth about Jesus, but they walk in the darkness and they listen to their imagination. They fear because answers don't seem that easy. It must be more complicated. It can't just be as easy and simple as the gospel. So they imagine what truth is like and that to them becomes reality. Believing in Jesus is too simple. But when they open their minds to Jesus Christ and the light 
this would be a great time for this to come on, and the light shines in their lives, they have an enlightenment. And suddenly they understand what life is really about. Jesus turns on the lights. Actually, the light is already on because we know Jesus. We've read about, you can study about him. You can see all about him. All you have to do is just tear that, that veil from your eyes. <clears throat> he is a light that gives knowledge to men and women everywhere. And you know what happens when people come to Jesus? An amazing things hap- thing happens. They no longer fear what lays in the dark. Sure, they may work in a warehouse where the lights are out and they hear things clanking together and they might think to themselves, you know, <clears throat> there's some sort of a something coming at me with chains dragging behind them, but they don't fear life. And they don't fear death. They no longer fear. It reminds me of this great verse you probably have heard. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. Jesus' presence, Jesus' life is the light of the world. There's one more reason people prefer the dark, and it's simply this. They like the appeal. There's something about the dark that is appealing to them. Now, I'm talking to a bunch of adults in here, so I'll just say something that maybe a bunch of adults might understand really well. Maybe the kids will too. When the lights are out, you are not going to get caught. They believe the darkness is simply more freeing because it's more inviting, and that makes it more freeing. Their favorite phrases are, who are you to judge what I do? What kind of a religion thinks they alone have the truth? Come to Jesus, what do I have to give up? Those are the phrases that they use because they love the dark. The choice of darkness becomes their own judgment. You may think to yourself, well, Craig, that sounds awfully judgmental. Nobody would love darkness. I didn't say it. You know who did say it, though? Jesus. And here's where he said it. Our favorite verse, John 3. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Keep on reading, and here's what he says. And this is the judgment. Light has come into the world. And people loved darkness rather than the light. Why, church? Because their deeds are evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light. Why? Because if he does, he's going to get discovered. And when you come to Jesus, I'm not sure repentance is a necessary qualification for salvation, but this I know. When you come to Jesus, repentance is a part of the process. Because when you walk into the light, the first thing you do is you look down and you go, oh, shoot, I should have wore something different. You notice your own stains, right? The closer you get to the holiness of God, the more aware you are you should not be there. This is why when Jesus' light shines on people, they prefer the darkness because the more light of Jesus they have on themselves, the more they realize how far they are from him. Two things amaze me about this verse. Church, what do these people love according to this verse? They love darkness. And what do they hate according to Jesus' own words? Light. Crazy, isn't it? Because I would have killed for a flashlight when I had to go to the bathroom at four in the morning. 
please give me a flashlight. Some people just say, no, I like the dark. Thanks very much. And they stumble and they fall and they stub their toe and finally find the handle to the bathroom and go, oh, I made it. Thank God. Not thank God. Light has come, but people hate the, dark, uh, hate the light and they love the dark and that blows my mind because Jesus has provided his own clapper to show us the truth. Here's the point of the whole thing, church. The life of Jesus is supposed to end our searching. Everything about life makes sense when you know Jesus Christ. It doesn't get easier. It, it, it doesn't make you richer. It, I'm not talking about a prosperity gospel. What I'm talking about is Jesus' light makes our life easier because it gives us the light so that we can see what life is all about. And if you know him as your savior and you're living in sin, I guarantee you that light is gonna make you, you know, a little more apparent where you need to clean up some areas. And that's all fine and good. Jesus says that. He says, listen, I didn't come to call the righteous to repentance. I came to call sinners to repentance. I didn't, call, I didn't come to call all the good people. They, they think they're good enough. I can't convince them with, with, with candy. I can't convince them. But you know who's willing to really look at themselves? People who know how far they've fallen. People who've been beaten up by life. You wonder why Jesus hung around with prostitutes and sinners and tax collectors? This is why. Because when his light shone on them, they went, oh, you know what? Let's be honest about what needs to be cleaned up here. And Jesus welcomed them all. Jesus' light is meant to be reflected, church. John the Baptist was about pointing to Jesus Christ and ours should be as well. John said it this way. If you jump down to verse seven in John chapter one, John came as a witness. He said he came as a witness, <clears throat> John the Baptist. John the writer says about John the Baptist, this John the Baptist came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Light can be affected two ways. Actually, you can affect light in two ways. Did you know that? You can either absorb light or you can reflect it. It's kind of a cool thing that we learn way back in grade school. Any scientist will tell you when, there's, when, when, when light is absorbed, it stays like it is. But when light is reflected, it seems brighter, but it's not. Did you know that? If you put a million mirrors around one candle, that light does not become brighter. It seems like it does because you can absorb light or you can reflect light. And what happens is when you reflect it, you allow it to de delay longer. It's the same wave of light. I, th I find this fascinating. One single wave of light through reflection simply seems brighter because it delays longer. It's not absorbed. I think Jesus understood this when he said to us in Matthew 5:14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people put a lamp on a stand or put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand and it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to who, church? 
your Father who is in heaven, so that they may see your good works and not give you the glory. You're not absorbing the light. They may give God the Father glory because you reflect that single wave of light, which is Jesus Christ. Isn't that fascinating? Jesus' life was the light of this world. Our job is simply to reflect it as often and as long as we can. Those living in the darkness can see Jesus' light shining through us. And hopefully they'll, be chose, they'll choose to, be, to draw themselves to Jesus to worship him. Two so what's, real simple. God entered our darkness and turned on the lights for us by giving us Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Jesus is our clapper. <laughs> do you love it or do you think it's like crass and I should be burned at the stake? I don't know, but it's kind of a memorable thing. Jesus became flesh, dwelt among his own creation. He was the glory of God that we saw. John said we touched, we heard him. His life was manifest before us. It's concrete. And because of, because of Jesus and because of his word that tells us about Jesus' life, we too can see the reality of Jesus Christ. All we need to do is open our eyes. Light has been here. Light remains here, reflected through his people. We bear the light of Jesus Christ. So I would say for this one church, if you know somebody living in the dark, whether they prefer it or they fear something different, I would say our job is to pray for them. Because all they need is for the Holy Spirit to tear that veil away so that they can see the reality that they're in darkness and they need to come to the light. And for us as believers, we just need to be grateful. Why did God tear the veil off of our eyes? Why did he tear the veil off of your eyes? I didn't do anything to earn that, and I'll never do enough to earn it. But he did it because of his great mercy for us. It is by grace that we have been saved. By the way, for those in the dark, this is why the Bible calls them lost. Because if you wander around in the dark long enough, trying to find your way from room to room to room to room, you will eventually forget where you started from and you will not be able to find where you're going. Literally, you're lost. <clears throat> this is why I think the Bible describes those who don't know Jesus as lost. They must be introduced to the clapper. Number two, <coughs> our goal in life is to keep reflecting Jesus' light for those caught in the dark. In Jesus' day, there were still some afraid to come to Jesus. Nicodemus came to visit Jesus in the night. You remember that? He's scared to death to question what he's believed his whole life. Even Nicodemus visited Jesus in the dark. Some are still fearful of what coming to the light might mean for them. Some stay in the darkness because of the appeal. The Pharisees remind me of these guys. They stayed in the dark even though they knew all the prophecies about Jesus and they actually verbally talked to him. It's almost like they said, you know what? I see nothing, I hear nothing. Sergeant Schultz, la, 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 la. Don't tell me the truth. I don't want to hear it. Why? Because they love darkness rather than, you know what the Pharisees loved? It clearly says it. They loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. 
What do you love? There's something in the dark you love and you don't want to come out. But your love for the dark creates a hate for the light. Listen to what John says later on in verse 11. Jesus came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all that did receive him, I love this verse, to those who believed in his name, he gave the, I love this word, he gave the what church? He gave the right to be called children of God. Isn't that great? The lights are on. And for those of us that know Jesus, we have a right to call ourselves children of God. His life ends our search. His life continues to end the search for those around us as well. His life is the light of the world. It still is, and he's still accepting applicants. Anyone who comes to him will not be rejected. doesn't matter how low they've fallen or how good they think that they are. Jesus' life is the light of men and women. And all those who respond to the light enter into a brand new journey where they can see the lights never go out. They know the truth. They don't question all the stuff that people in the dark are saying. They don't fear all the sounds, the clinks and the clanks they hear in the dark. They know the light, and that light gives them peace, joy, all of those fruit of the Spirit. So church, I would say, let your light reflect his life Because when our life reflects his life, we bear the light that calls others out of the darkness. I'll leave you with this one verse. Again, Jesus spoke to them and said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Let's pray. Father, I'm grateful for the fact that you have given us your son who has lit up our dark world. Sometimes it seems darker than others. Sometimes that darkness almost feels like it, <clears throat> it's burning into our own lives. But we run to you. We stay close to you. We stick to the source of light because we know that in you is no darkness at all. You'll tell us the truth. You won't hold anything back. And you will clearly help us live lives that bring glory and honor to you, lives full of purpose. Thank you, Father, for calling us out of the darkness by showing us the light of life. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to us because we couldn't understand ourselves. Even your own disciples didn't understand it. So thank you for taking on flesh and giving us a visible example of what light looks like for those who lived in the dark. May we be the reflection we need to be in the short time that we have. And Father, may you continue to call people out of the darkness, use our church, each one of us in our circles of influence, our families, the prodigals that need to come home, the family members that mock you, those in our circles where we work, that don't know you and clearly love darkness rather than light. Father, may you make us a washed mirror that reflects the greatest reality of Jesus that they could ever see. And may we never become so proud to think that we are light. 
May we simply reflect you. And whatever good you do through us, we promise to give you all the glory and all the honor because it's all in the name of Jesus Christ. We do all these things and even pray. Amen.